So this week we get to talk about the Israelites going into the promised land. Or at least a chance they could. They got close on this one, right? How many of y'all gotten close on this one? How many of y'all have I heard, oh, Rabbi, I want to go there one year? It's called Jewish guilt trip. If you've never been, stop putting off. Start saving up. Take an extra job. Do whatever you got to do. Collect aluminum cans, a lot of them. But I encourage you to go to Israel. You had a whole year to prepare. It is a trip of a lifetime. Let me just give you what some people say about the land. It is filled with milk and honey. Right? Do you believe that? Yes, we're able to go. Then why aren't you able to go? <laughs> Stop making excuses. Because it will literally change your life. This place is such an important part of our lives that you will see what God is doing. Yeah, I was blessed. My parents, at 12 years old, I had been out of school, you know, off for the summer, and before summer was over, before it started, my parents said, what do you want to do this year? Now, to give you an idea, I had never gone to a day camp or an even overnight camp. Never really been away from home, away from my parents. And they gave me a choice. I could go up to this Jewish uh, overnight camp up in North Georgia mountains, supposed to be really nice. Or you can go to Israel. What did you think they were thinking I was going to say? I never asked them this, but I, I guarantee you their thought was, oh, I'll just go to the camp. No. Never being away from home at all, I chose to go overseas. And the memories I still have to this day of that place makes you want to go back again and again and again. Because that land is changing. And not for the change is what you're seeing is what comes out of the past. When you can go to these sites that you've been at even year after year and they're finding new things. So I want to encourage you, before I start my sermon, go to the event. Go to Israel. Forget the bucket list. Make it the bucket. Because it will truly change your life. And our trip is really special. We're working to have, you know, we, we usually have a political twist to it. We usually meet with a Knesset member with our group one-on-one. -on -one. The last time we went there, not only did she meet with us and let us talk and ask questions, she gave us a personal tour of the Knesset. It was neat. I got to admit, if I had to go on any trip, I would go on ours. Matter of fact, the tour company that does tours uses our trip for other people now. He can't do all the things we do because we got some connections. It's good to have a brother, right? 
But I want to encourage you, go to the land because you've got to see what's in it and believe that you can do it. If God has told you you're supposed to do it, do it. Because here's what happens when you don't. Bring up Numbers 13, verse 25. Remember this little story? Moses, God tells Moses to go send out 12 of your leaders from each tribe to go spy out the land that I have given you. Key words there, I have given you, right? This wasn't something man got, but God gave it to us, right? He gave us that promise. And he went and sent them out. And what happens? The flesh gets in the way, doesn't it? They get fruit, uh, you know, can you imagine grapes so big, a vine so large that it takes two people to carry it? Dole eat your heart out, right? These suckers. Are, you know what's amazing in Israel? One of the things that, if you ask me, all the you know the biblical places are amazing, but the food and the the the, the fruit that they grow there. Is, and, and they'll grow, they'll, people will tell you, you cannot grow apples and oranges next to each other, except in Israel. They do things there that are amazing. How many of y'all like pomegranates? I love pomegranates. Have you ever, you seen the ones here in, in the States? They're about the size of a baseball. In Israel, they're the size of a softball. They're huge. Again, God has blessed that land. You know, God told us that Israel will blossom like a rose. Do you know what Israel's number one export is? Flowers. Roses. More roses come out of Israel than any other place. God's word does not come back void. And that's something that our ancestors had to learn. And you know what? We're a stiff-necked and stubborn people, aren't we? But for those of you who are Gentile out there, you're pretty stiff-necked and stubborn too. We have to learn to trust in God. Here's what he says. Bring up the verse now. It was there just a second ago. They returned from investigating the land after how many days? Forty days. Does that number ring a bell, right? Keep on going. They traveled and returned to Moses and Aaron and the entire community of uh, B'nai Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Panar. They gave their report to them and the entire assembly, and they showed them the land's fruit. Remember, they brought the figs. Oh, man, the figs out there. Now, by the way, you want to know what the figs taste like in Israel? In a few weeks, when our figs come ready on the trees, kids, don't you go picking them off. Those trees are actually from Israel. So you get to taste figs that were created in Israel. They gave their account to him and said, We went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is what? Flowing with milk and honey. This is some of its fruit. So the guys admitted. What? It was exactly how God had promised. But what happens? 
except the people living in the land are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the sons of who? Anak there. We don't like them people, do we? So what happened here? What happened is flesh got in the way, right? How many times when God tells you to do something, that little devil starts speaking in your ear, oh, you can't do that. You know, I've done a lot of mission work in the former Soviet Union. And if we listened to the devil over God, we would have never gotten anywhere. See, the devil's going to try to stop us, isn't he? But when God tells us to do it, we know we're in control. Can you guys turn the air down a little out there? It's a little cold. And this is an important thing to understand. I'll never forget the first mission trip Judy and I went on. It was in the uh, former Soviet Union. And we had gone to Minsk, where my grandfather was from. And I remember getting off the plane. They assembled us in this big meeting. I was a believer a whopping year and a half. I had just uh, almost finished uh, Bible college at that time. We got off the plane. They assembled us into this big room, and they told us that the uh, police have said if we go and hand out flyers to invite people to the event, that they will arrest us. And what was my job on this trip? To go out and hand out flyers on the street. And I had a choice to make there. I could have been worried about being thrown in jail. But I want to tell you what went through my mind. If it's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. Because I knew that if God had called us to do that event, that man could not stop it. Not only did we see God's move in that land. Matter of fact, the first day, and I've told this story before, but it's such an important story. Our first day of the festival, we finally had been handing out flyers. They'd been prepping all week, right? They'd been advertising it for several weeks. Judy and I were responsible. We, everyone got different jobs the days of the festival. I had one of the easiest jobs. I'm admitting it. I got lucky. I don't know how it happened. They were telling everyone all these positions they had to do, and they came up to Judy and I, and they said, we want you to oversee the handing out of the books at the door. And all you had to do is make sure that the other people were doing it. Easyville. This was a no-brainer, sit-back-and-relax type position. I'm like, yes! So I thought. The event's going. We have our interpreters with us. We have Russians working with us. They're handing out the books. People are coming in. And there's a steady flow. It's a free event. The place held 5,000 people. We figured, you know, we would probably, you know, you know hopefully get, a, you know, a good crowd for We were doing it over several nights. The police did not even show up. They were not worried about the crowd control. So we're just seeing people coming in. Things are going good. My interpreter had to be from America. She spoke fluent Russian. 
And again, we were, all we had to do was watch people hand out free books and smile, right? And then I heard a babushka. Who knows what a babushka is? It's an old, you know, a Jewish woman, a grandmother, right? Come running out, yelling, yelling in Russian. I look at my interpreter and she says, we are full, we need to close the doors. And I looked out, and all I saw was a stream of people still trying to get in. So as they closed, we had three sets of glass doors right next to each other, two doors each. They closed, the, they were able to get the first door closed, and all of a sudden that crowd just shifted to the second door, trying to push to get in. As they started closing, that was Judy's door, they started closing it. And then I realized something. I was the last door. And I had to keep all these people out. Unbeknownst to me, there was over 10,000 people outside. 15,000 people showed up for the first night of the event. We had so many people coming, they had to shut down the train system in Minsk. And it was just me against 10,000. <laughs> Does that sound like a Bible verse? And as I'm sitting there watching, trying to figure out how in the world I'm going to stop these people from pushing in, I heard a still small voice say, put out your hands in the doorway. And I've learned to listen to God. And guess what? They stopped. We were able to close the doors. But see, the news doesn't end there. Because not only do we have all those people inside hearing the word, half of our team got stuck outside. So you know what they started doing? They started preaching the gospel. We were having people getting saved inside and outside. See, when God is with us, who can be against us? When God tells us to go and proclaim his word, we can't be afraid. I learned on these mission trips, man, God has better things in store for us than we did. The stories I can tell you are mind-boggling. You know, I always hear people going on, you know, they go to churches and they go, oh, we went and we built an or, you know, a thing for the orphans. And that's great. I, those are, don't get me wrong. Those are wonderful things to do. But if you want to go and really proclaim the gospel and see how it was in the time of the disciples, remember they got like, you know, stoned and things like that? Call on a messianic trip. Watch really what happens. But the amazing thing is what you see is when you see the Jewish people stand to receive Yeshua as their Messiah. It literally is bringing them the land of milk and honey. And that's what God is calling us to do. Don't be afraid when you hear that your enemy is, at, is there. Because you know what? With God, you can overcome anything. Anything. And that's the amazing thing with our God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you trust in him, guess what? you will receive that blessing.
You will receive what he's calling for you for. But, as we see in the next verse, what happens? Amalek is living in the land of the what? Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites are living in the mountains, and the Canaanites are living near the sea along with the banks of the Jordan. Now I have a question for you. If you read Jewish history, you read the Bible, who are our enemies? All right, I have a question for you. Anyone know any Hittites now? Any Jebusites? Any Amorites? Any Canaanites? Anyites? They don't exist anymore. Why? Because God took care of them. God said he would do exactly what he did. <coughs> we don't have to worry about what's going on. Keep going. Then Caleb. Now here's an interesting character. If you, you want to do a study on the, in the Bible, here's the man to do it on. Caleb. I'm not going to tell you. Check out who his father is. In this week's Torah portion, his name is mentioned. You do go do a search on him. But here's the thing you're going to find out. Why Joshua, I'm sorry, why Caleb was from the tribe of what? Judah. His father wasn't. How could that be? Go figure it out. Because you're going to see something take place here. I'm going to give you a little hint. Caleb, as I said before already, was what? He's a Gentile. Wait, what are you guys doing in the picture? It's not the book of Acts yet. How did he get all the way in here in the very beginning? This is numbers, right? And the Gentiles are already worshiping the God of Israel. And that's the key thing we see here. And who does God bring together? Who are the two that stand up? Joshua and Caleb. Jew and Gentile. Telling the Israelites what? Get over it, right? You can give the Lord a hand, amen. See, God has a plan from the very beginning. Don't think God woke up election morning 2020 and goes, oh, that person won? He knows exactly what's going on. Right? He has put these things in place for a reason. And we see here, Caleb stands up, he quiets the people, and he says these simple words. We should definitely go up and capture the land for what? We can certainly do it. Now he would just heard from the other ten, what? Oh, everything's horrible. Yeah, it's a land of milk and honey, but there are giants living in the land. They should have learned from David what happens to giants. You know, they go, whoop. They're gone. Of course, he's a little later on in the picture, but okay. <laughs> David figured it out from them, didn't he? Right? Doesn't matter how big they are. They're going to fall down. 
I love the story of David getting up sidetracked. How many stones did he bring with him? Five. Why did he bring five? Who had brothers? Goliath had how many brothers? Four. Four brothers. He only brings five stones. Five. You know, he took, he's going to take out the whole family, one shot each. We need the faith of David. He was pretty darn good. Right? Tomorrow, 10 a.m., we can see how good a shot of you all are. Lock and loaded for the Lord. Join us. Right? It'll be fun. But you see the kind of faith that they had? We need that today. When God calls you to do something, don't question him. Don't try to figure him out. As they say in Nike, just do it. I was not afraid to be put in jail in the former Soviet Union. And trust me, they could have tried to do it several times. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I went down to Cuba, and they tried to pull that stuff. It was great what I learned in the former Soviet Union, because guess who taught them? Again, I could tell you the stories. And that's what it's about, trusting in the Lord. Let's continue. But the men who had gone up with him said, we cannot attack these people <coughs> because they are stronger than we. Are we really afraid of that? Are you not willing to stand up for what God has told you to do? God took down the walls of Jericho with seven shofar blasts. What God can do, no man can stop. The scripture tells us that all these men died of a plague that God put down upon them. But two got to see the land, Caleb and Joshua. Jew and Gentile entered that place. The land filled with milk and honey. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. Stand up for what the Lord is calling you to do. I remember our, our, Judy and I, our first mission trip. We believed we, the Lord was supposed to, that we were supposed to go. And I was a relative, again, new believer. The Lord had put on my heart. I'd also promised Judy, when we had gotten married, we got married with the justice of the peace because her parents and my parents weren't quite seen eye to eye. It wasn't that we did anything wrong. It's just I was Jewish, she was Christian, and neither the two were going to meet. We ended up having a quiet ceremony. We invited a hundred of our closest friends over to our, our building and uh, we got married. And I always promised her that on our fifth anniversary we would have a real wedding. Not knowing, A, I would be a believer. B, I'd be in the bridal business. 
God has a plan. And I remember as we were saving the money up for, for the second one, we were, and, I, and the Lord put on my heart about the trip. I had mentioned it to Judy. But I knew that the, the merit, you know, the, redoing our vows was very important to her. So I figured, okay, well, you know, I did the typical next year. I'll put it on the, we'll go on the next mission trip. And then one day as the dates started getting closer and closer for us to going, Judy would ask, and I always say, you know, we just don't have the money. And then one day, she asked again, I can tell you right where I was. We were on our way to the work at our store. We were getting on Shallowford Road on the, uh, it was at 85. And she asked me that question again. And I said, but we don't have the, I said, sure, I want to go, but we don't have the money. She goes, what if I tell you we have the money? I remember, you know, doing that look over her, forget about what I'm doing, driving. And, she, and to this day, she cannot explain it. She said she was putting money away to do the wedding, and then she would just put a little aside. And she paid off everything for the wedding, and we had just enough left over for both of us to go on the trip. I can stand here and tell you right now, if I didn't go on that mission trip, you would not be sitting here right now. Because that trip changed our lives. When we got back, I started working with Jonathan Burnish and Jewish Voice Ministries back then. And started to realize that God had a calling on us. But what would have happened if I said, oh, it's too big of a task? We wouldn't be here right now with this message. We cannot, when God tells us to do something, be Nike. Just do it. These men had to pay a price. A whole generation could not enter that land because they wouldn't listen. If God is telling you to do something, unless it's like killing a whole bunch of people, that's probably not God, then do it. Seek godly advice and follow his calling. If God's been telling you to go to Israel, then go. Because it will change your life. We are seeing things happen in Israel that we, that we, would, we see in the Bible. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Jerusalem is now being recognized as the capital of Israel. Take notice, people. God is doing an amazing thing. I'm telling you, when you go to Israel, you will be changed. You will see the Word of God like never before. You know, we started taking Natalie at a young age with us. And I always wondered, you know, did we take her too young? But man, now when she, she, she understands the Bible, because she's been there. She can tell you about the places that are going on and what happened. Because she's seen it with her own eyes. Don't be afraid. 
if God is calling you, maybe He's calling you into ministry. I'll pray with you about that. It's not an easy task. Maybe He's calling you to do something. You need to do it. Because if you don't, guess what happens? There's consequences. Don't run from God. It's a simple message. Be like Caleb and Joshua. Trust in the Lord. I agree, Israel. He, you know, he's speaking in tongues. He's just telling us, listen to Rabbi. Rabbi's right. He's doing a good job of it. See, he likes my voice. He gets quiet then. <laughs> what do you say? Well, shh. Come on now. Don't pop my ego. Come on. Bobby was teaching class. <laughs> but trust in what God is calling you to do. Don't be like the ten. Be like the two. And follow him. I'm going to bow your head and close your eyes. Abba Father, we just come before you right now. Lord, give us the strength we need to not be ashamed of the calling that you have put on our life. Lord, let us not be like the ten spies who say we can't do it. But let us be like Caleb and Joshua, who says, now go and take the land. Lord, let us take possession of what you have called us to do. Lord, give us the strength, the wisdom, and the knowledge to do that all that you're calling us to do. And everyone said, Amen. Before we close, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to ask a simple question. For those of you watching online, and for those of you here, if you don't have that relationship with Yeshua, the Messiah of Israel, the promised King, all you have to do is say a simple prayer. Acknowledge Him like I did on Yom Kippur all those years ago. It will change your life forever. If you're watching online, wherever you are around the world, you can contact us on the information you see on the screen and we will pray with you that prayer of salvation. We will contact you and pray with you. But if you're here right now, with every eye closed, every head bowed, and you're ready to have that relationship with your Heavenly Father, all you need to do is raise your hand and say a simple prayer. We'll even say it in support with you. Is there anyone? Anyone at all? And Abba Father, as we close out this service, Lord, continue to bring us closer to you. Lord, show us what you want us to do for your kingdom. And Lord, give us the strength and wisdom to do it. We ask this in your Son, Yeshua. Amen.